0: Section 39 of American Scenery Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. American Scenery Volume 2 by Nathaniel Parker Willis. View from Gowanus Heights, Brooklyn. The Bay of New York and Staten Island are from this elevated point of view, laid out beautifully beneath the eye but the picturesque interest of the spot yields to the historic. Directly below these heights was fought the battle so disastrous to the revolutionary forces between the detachments commanded by Sullivan and Putnam and the English army under Generals Howe and Clinton. As the defense of Long Island was intimately connected with that of New York, Washington had stationed a brigade at Brooklyn, and an extensive camp had been marked out and fortified, fronting the mainland of Long Island and stretching quite across the peninsula occupied by the village of brooklyn when the movements of general howe threatened an immediate attack on this position major general putnam was directed to take the command with a reinforcement of six regiments in the day previous to the action washington passed entirely at brooklyn inspecting the works and encouraging the soldiers the hessians under general de heister composed the center of the british army at flatbush major general grant commanded the left wing which extended to the coast and the greater part of the forces under general clinton earl percy and lord cornwallis turned short to the right and approached the opposite coast of flatland on the night previous to the action general clinton was successful in seizing a pass through the heights leading into the level country between them and brooklyn before this movement was completed general grant advanced along the coast at the head of the left wing with ten pieces of cannon as his first object was to draw the attention of the Americans from their left, he moved slowly, skirmishing as he advanced, with the light parties stationed on that road. This movement was soon communicated to General Putnam, who reinforced the parties which had been advanced in front, and as General Grant continued to gain ground, still stronger detachments were employed in this service. About three in the morning, Brigadier General Lord Stirling was directed to meet the enemy, with the two nearest regiments on the road leading from the Narrows. Major-General Sullivan, who commanded all the troops without the lines, advanced at the head of a strong detachment on the road leading directly to Flatbush, while another detachment occupied the heights between that place and Bedford. About the break of day, Lord Stirling reached the summit of the hills, where he was joined by the troops which had been already engaged and were retiring slowly before the enemy, who almost immediately appeared in sight. A warm cannonade was commenced on both sides, which continued for several hours, and some sharp but not very close skirmishing took place between the infantry lord sterling being anxious only to defend the pass he guarded could not descend in force from the heights and general grant did not wish to drive him from them until that part of the plan which had been entrusted to sir henry clinton should be executed about half past eight the british right having then reached bedford in the rear of sullivan's left general de heister ordered colonel donup's corps to advance to the attack of the hill following himself with the center of the army the approach of clinton was now discovered by the american left which immediately endeavored to regain the camp at brooklyn while retiring from the woods by regiments they encountered the front of the british about the same time the hessians advanced from flatbush against that part of the detachment which occupied the direct road to brooklyn here general sullivan commanded in person but he found it difficult to keep his troops together long enough to sustain the first attack the firing heard towards bedford had disclosed the alarming fact that the british had turned their left flank and were getting completely into their rear Perceiving at once the full danger of their situation, they sought to escape it by regaining the camp with the utmost possible celerity. The sudden rout of this party enabled de Heister to detach a part of his force against those who continued to move forward, intercepted and engaged those who were retreating along the direct road from Flatbush. Thus attacked both, in front and rear, and alternately driven by the British on the Hessians and by the Hessians back again on the British, a succession of skirmishes took place in the woods, in the course of which some part of the corps forced their way through the enemy and regained the lines of Brooklyn, and several individuals saved themselves under cover of the woods. But a great proportion of the detachment was killed or taken. The fugitives were pursued up to the American works, and such is represented to have been the ardor of the British soldiers that it required the authority of their cautious commander to prevent an immediate assault. The fire towards Brooklyn gave the first intimation to the American right that the enemy had gained their rear. Lord Sterling perceived the danger, and that he could only escape it by retreating instantly across the creek. After one other gallant attempt, however, upon a British corps under Lord Cornwallis, the brave men he commanded were no longer able to make opposition, and those who survived were, with their general, made prisoners of war. The British army were masters of the field, but before morning Washington had won one of his brightest military laurels in the safe withdrawal, unperceived by the enemy, of his defeated and dispirited troops to the opposite shore of New York. End of section 39